Hello, my name is Jerry Durham, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, What's Best for the Patient is Best for the Business. This podcast was put together for you, the healthcare practice owner, and wants to achieve success in your healthcare practice and turn this practice, this clinic, into a business. So if you want growth and scalability that drives financial performance, all three of those don't always come together. But if you want that, then you've come to the right place. I'm here to help you be most successful in your healthcare practice and turn it into a business. Cheers. Thanks for coming. All right. Welcome back to the What's Best for the Patient is Best for the Business podcast. I'm Jerry Durham, as you all know, and we're in the middle of the Action Taker series, and I'm really, really excited. You know, the first couple were practice owners going out there and taking action to scale and grow their businesses. And now today we're taking a little different turn, but definitely fits perfectly in the Action Takers series. I have Frank Benedetto on the call today. And basically, we're just going to go straight into Frank talking and sharing a little bit of his story. So Frank, I want you to take it from here and tell everybody what you're doing and where you've come from and what the hell's going on. And we'll just go from there. Sounds good, man. Thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute honor and privilege because I look to you as one of the legends. Dude. I don't know if you know this, but you've been a name that I've been following way before we actually even met each other. So thank you for all you've done to advance the profession. And your tidbits have definitely led to shaping a portion of my worldview about how to reimagine clinical practice. So thank you for all that. And thanks for giving me a chance to speak to your people. So quick story about me is uh, I am a double board certified doctor of physical therapy. I graduated from Rutgers University in 2008. And I had the start that most people had in working for a company that just basically required two stims, one ultrasound, do whatever you want in the five to 10 minutes you get in between and hit your productivity metrics. And I, I unfortunately wasted the first six to seven years of my career there, man. And uh, it only took... Only it took tragedy striking in order for me to pursue my actual life's calling. And, uh, you know, this gets pretty dark pretty quickly, but I feel it's really important for people to hear it. The one of the reasons why I fight so hard against people trading away their lives for these careers where they're nothing more than a cog in a wheel of a machine to produce profit for insurance companies is because of this story. So it was Friday, 2012. I worked a 14-hour shift on Fridays. It was uh, 8 a.m. till 10 p.m., believe it or not. He actually... We had a a 9 o'clock appointment (laughs) on Friday night available. It wasn't always filled, but we often did stay till 9 or 9.30. And on this particular day, my dad had been sick for a few days. And... uh, yeah, I knew he wasn't well, but I also, we didn't think there was anything that crazy going wrong. I remember thinking to myself, I should go visit him. You know, it was 30 minute ride that way to him, 30 minute the other direction to my house. I was too tired. I was literally exhausted. I'll go visit him in the morning. And then 2 a.m., my phone rings and it's my sister. And she says, it's, it's happening. Let's get here. And I fly to his house and he's being wheeled out in an ambulance and uh, he's still alive at that moment, but not much longer. He died in the emergency room that night of a heart attack. And uh, 
I then proceeded to take this wild head start I had in life. I had graduated with my doctorate at age 23, did the accelerated you know, three and three year program, knew what I wanted to do very young, was very young for my grade in high school. So I, I graduated with this massive head start. At 26, I was already double board certified, already had helped start some clinics. And I took that massive head start and I just imploded it. I fell into drug and alcohol abuse. I lost basically everything. And through losing everything, what saved me when I finally hit true rock bottom, I'm talking every credit card maxed out, borrowed money from family, and truly no other place to go. You know, I had to sell my home. I had this crazy idea that going into business was going to be the only thing that could possibly get me out of such a deep, deep hole. I'd gotten clean and I knew I wanted to make a difference in the world. But when you're hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt, taking an 80K salary won't make a dent. I knew I needed to win big. And I instinctively knew that in order to win big, I needed to pursue a mission. I knew that it had to be bigger than myself. Otherwise, you know, growing a business that was just meant to serve me would actually fail. You know, I, I just somehow instinctively knew that or had been lucky enough to consume enough YouTube videos and motivational videos to understand this. And, and that year now, 2015, when we launched our first ever business, I have a business partner who's been with me from then through now, through all of our ventures. And we set out to make a million dollars in our first year in business. And I remember the day he called. It was mid-December, about 11 months and two weeks later. And he's screaming, we did it. We did it. I'm like, what? We did what? $1.1 million year one in business. And through that business, I completed my recovery. It was that business that gave me a new identity. It was that business that served as this platform to completely reinvent my life and feel connected to something bigger again. And we continued to scale that business. We did 2 million in year two, three in year three. And then we sold in year four, thank God, right before the pandemic. And I followed my gut again in launching two digital platforms in 2019 before we even knew that COVID was a thing. And, uh, and very luckily, you know, hit again with those two new ventures, which I'm still scaling today. And my thesis to this is that a mission-driven business is the lifeblood that most burnt-out clinicians or even successful clinicians in business who are unfulfilled, unhappy, or still feeling like there's this emptiness. It's the lack of the mission. The mission-driven business saved me. The mission-driven business provided a platform for my family to completely live a different lifestyle. And I think that that has a lot of synchronicity into what you teach. Thanks for sharing all that. I hope everybody caught all that. And if you need to, press pause, roll it back and listen to it again before we go into this, because I think everything that was shared is very important for context for all of this. And I think we were just discussing, I'm a wee bit older than you, more than a wee bit. If you see the video later, you'll see we both have the same haircut, but I think one of us is by choice. The other is by just pure age. So I'll leave it at that. But, you know, hearing what you just shared um, means more to me at 55 and 30 years in than it would have, you know, at 35, 10 years in even. So um, I want everybody to make sure you heard all of that because it's really important. 
Let me ask this question because we hear this a lot. And this was taking some notes as you're talking here. And I wrote this down because I'm like, oh, fuck, people hear this every day and they don't quite know the definitions or at least the context of what you're talking about. So I want you to describe what you mean, maybe with your own example again, because I think you had shared it. What is a mission-driven company? Is everybody's like, yeah, I got a mission. And I'm like, e, so share it. And I'm like, really? That's it? Or, you know, where's that come from? So share what you mean by mission-driven, right? So which means you got to describe mission also. Sure. Describe what I don't know about you, but I definitely had the empty consultant who I paid like 12 grand to just make a mission statement. And that's like, that was it. That was the only I think we all, we've all, anybody, me, we've all gone through that. And that's why I'm, I'm like listening to this now, right? I tell everybody, that's the one thing I bring is I bring a lot of years ahead of you. And I say, here's the benefit to you. I've made just about every fucking mistake you yeah. can make. So my goal is always to say, look, Frank, you're going to make your mistakes. I just don't want you to make mine. That's why I want to start with this mission-driven thing. Yeah. So the people listening to this want them to realize this is where they need to start. So they're not working through this shit without a good mission. Because, right, that's the thing you always turn back to. Are Right? You make a business decision based on your mission. And I don't think people, right, they put their mission and vision down. I'm like, well, what is it? And they got to go look it up. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's yeah, driving it's, everything, man. Here's what it's not. It's not the replica of the Panera Bread statement, you know, on the back of the wall where their mission is to bring the freshest food at the cheapest prices to XYZ. It's not, in my definition, my world, the mission you need to start with or connect to Elisa first is not for marketing. It's actually not for anybody else, but for yourself. And it is for you to review on a daily basis so that you feel fired up and pulled to work. And if you're not, how to continue to iterate your mission and find it. Sometimes it's not obvious. So you have to put in work to find it. I didn't know it at first either. I had to iterate on it. So what is the mission to me? the, The global definition is something that's bigger than yourself, right? Something that is rooted in a change and a second and third order of effects. Now, a mission-driven business, though, what does that actually mean? You hit on the exact word that I use. It is a lens that you put through to filter the infinite amount of possibilities and decisions you will face as an entrepreneur. One of the things I love about business is that there is quite literally an unlimited way to do it right. There is no one right way. There are frameworks to follow that will help you accelerate your path to a certain flavor of success or a certain type of success. Those are valuable. But the best businesses are ones that use the principles that we all have found to to be foundationally true, but that come out to be as unique as your fingerprint. When you could look at two barbell businesses from afar and say, oh, those are barbell businesses. They'll must be the same. But then if you were to get in their funnel, into their actual pipeline, into their actual business as a client, you would see completely wildly different businesses if they have chased the mission because the mission is the is again the uh, decision making paradigm. So once you once you connect to the mission, which is the thing that you feel your calling or your greater purpose is anchored to, then you now have a decision making framework to apply all of the decisions to. I love it. It took me a while to get to mine. But yet, when you get there, you know how I realize just, and I don't want to make this about me, I hate to do this, but I got to just to 
put this out to people. The way I knew I'd gotten there was when I'd be laying in bed at night and I'd be thinking about business and I would revert back to this and go, well, geez, is that really what's best for the patients? And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I keep coming back to this statement. And I didn't realize it at the time. And, th- and that's why I use that phrase so much, right? Patient success leads to every all the other success. And I found myself sitting, right? Doing work for other people or doing work for myself. Well, you know, how are we going to run this business? And I said, well, what do your patients want? What do your patients need? How are you going to deliver the care? And everybody's like, what? And I went, well, that's going to define your business success. That's going to define your systems, your processes right? Is this patient success? So, yeah. So, and I I stumbled into it, dude. I didn't even realize that's what I I do think though, that is something we discover that it's not something we create. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's interesting because I've had all kinds of discussions around this with people and, um, you know, it's, and I think there is in the old sense, the consulting sense of here's your mission. People get forced down this square hole, right? With a round peg and can't acknowledge some of the things they need to do and want to do in this process because, oh no, that won't work as a mission. That won't work. That won't work. So then what do you do? Right? Yeah. I love that. I love that. It's got to be found. You're saying it's got to be found, right? Yes. And, you know, again, it's interesting. I think this is where that word, I'm just throwing this all out there. So just chime in, tell me I'm wrong. If you don't agree, this is where that word experience the older you get and the more experienced you get, the more I question experience. And I always notice it's both end of the spectrums. It's people either with zero experience or people with a lot of experience always arguing about it. And the people in the middle that are still trying to figure out what to do don't even know what to call it. But I think experience is just like what I shared where it's like, look, here's all the mistakes I made. That's what experience is. Here's what I learned. I learned that if I treat the patients, if all my business decisions are made, by the way, with my client, customer, patient in mind, then the business can't fail. It took me, oh, fuck, dude. It took me 15 years of running, being in the profession, running my own business to figure that out. And here's my spin on that is my concern about the status of our profession right now is that you know there's no point in broken reps in a broken system there's actually not learning that takes place in that scenario interesting so there is a productive way to fail and there's an unproductive way to fail and i bias right now given the work environment of our industry in that 80% of places to work in an outpatient setting are mills that do not give a shit about the client that don't have a mission that are just a math equation to maximize insurance reimbursement. I don't believe that new grads or you know somebody five, 10 years out is learning anything anymore. They've maximized the bell curve of the return on investment of their time there. Therefore, in order to evolve our profession, we need more people to enter their own workplace or alternative workplaces, creating businesses, ideally disruptive businesses, ones that are unique. And the amount that they will learn in one month in that scenario could literally equate a decade of working inside of a corporate mill. And that, that's the part that I think is, you know, I'm often argued about 
you know, should new grads go right into business for themselves? It depends. I don't have a hard line on it. I do think that there is a certain psychographic profile that does need to attain, quote, unquote, the traditional experience. But I will stand firmly, though, that we need to be monitoring the bell curve of that because the incentive is to trap them there. The incentive is to place, you know, create a place of comfort and climb a corporate ladder that they eventually get the top of and look down and say, well, that was a huge waste of time. And now they're golden handcuffed because now they have to pay a mortgage, feed a kid, or whatever lifestyle they got used to. There's no more learning there. There's no more innovating. There's no iteration. Call it you visits. Can see this, you can yeah. see this. It's going to take us down a rabbit hole. Well, yeah, because I call it the visits and unit units build world, of which yeah. I tell everybody those are the most useless metrics in a business. You're not going to learn anything. Uh-huh. So this podcast is being filmed one day after United Healthcare. announced that they have an app coming out that's going to offer free physical therapy ran by an AI, an AI system. And what's comical about this is that, one, it's going to be so bad. It's going to be so bad. It's not going to be good. There's One day it might iterate to something good. It might take a decade. But the people freaking out that I see are the ones who are not innovating at all. The people freaking out are the ones who deep down inside know that they are replaceable because all they've become is somebody who builds units. All they've become is a pencil pusher submitting charts so that they get paid the right amount. And anybody actually providing value, shoulder shrugged it off. The last three years have been a huge, I I think we could go through if we had hours, we could go through an almost timestamp almost identical things occurring and watching how people responded and everything like that. And this is just another step in that journey. Yeah. Of which, right. I I believe it. It's going to be for the better. It'll reiterate. And it's funny. We were talking about this again before we came, before we hit record, let's just jump right in. Right. Is that all the conversations I see is blaming everybody else for this problem. Yes. Yeah. And even now looking for savior, our psychographic profile tends to crave a savior and there is no savior. There's nobody coming. So the notion that we can, you know, I saw one call to action, go talk to your legislator. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I'm not a PT overseeing this AI, which is crazy how they didn't think to just hire at least one, but the legislators are paid. Like if we were to look up right now, how much United Health has donated to the, the politicians' funds. So I'll give you an example. When I was a private practice owner, I paid a few thousand dollars to sit in the same room with a former New Jersey governor. And when I showed up, the primary sponsor who had donated tens of thousands of dollars to that one event alone was Blue Cross Blue Shield. That's awesome, dude. So how far did my, I think it was four grand, how far did my, my four grand conversation go with Governor Murphy for all of three minutes that I had his year? You know, that, that solution is no longer viable. And even if it does work, all they're going to do is hire one PT and say, look, we did it. We have one PT overseeing this. And they'll pay him $10,000. Hey, that wouldn't even... I love the, I like the fact you went there because everybody goes, well, okay, just spend more money. And it's like, uh, wait, what is... You know, again, own the process, not the outcome, right? Yeah. It's like, how about we get more invested in the, in the process of all this, right? Um, we could go down a rabbit hole on now everything we've started to talk about. Let's um talk about 
because I think this is a perfect segue to it. Let's talk more about what you're doing. And I want to read the Facebook post I have in front of me that I responded to about mm, a week or two ago and said, hey, this would make a great podcast opening with sure. a little winky eye emoji. So Frank posted on that very reliable news source called Facebook that um, this is a mission and I will relentlessly pursue it until the day I die. And here's what it says. And this is Frank's direct quote. I imagine a world where there is a personalized and innovative healthcare solution for everyone and every problem. A world where clinicians are fulfilled by their work and live exceptional lives as a result of their success. And I responded, that would make a great podcast. So Frank, why don't you tell us in relation to that, what you're doing and what you're helping people to do. And I know you've got some fancy names in there too, that I've seen that I don't exactly know. So I'll learn a little more too. Yeah. So I, I believe in reverse engineering solutions for specific niches or niches as it's properly said, but I say it the dumb American style niche. So we're going to go with niche. Uh, I believe in reverse engineering specific business models to serve specific populations, which can be either an identity or it can be a problem centric. And I think the easiest way is to give you examples from our community. So we had a PT who battled fibroids her entire life. And she had a medical doctor tell her, oh yeah, women with fibroids, no more running, no more barbell stuff. Yeah, that's over for you. And that was literally her identity. That was her source of mental health. That was her life. So she rejected that norm and did make her full recovery. So when she launched a cash practice inside of a CrossFit gym, she, after the novelty wore off, she was not fulfilled. She was burning out all over again. And the reason why, in my opinion, was because it wasn't pursuing her true passion. She had a calling. And that calling was to help women with fibroids. So she created a program that has personalized support. And there's all different ways you can do this part, but she created a business for people, for women recovering from fibroids or fibroid surgery to get back to the activities they love. When a woman with fibroid issues comes across her marketing, they pause and go, oh my God, it was made for me. Oh, oh my God, there's another way. And now it's a blue ocean strategy. So rather than counting on reimbursement, rather than counting on you know, competing to a local orthopedist who already has 20 PTs buying lunch. Now, when she walks into an OBGYN office and says, you know how it could be hard to help somebody recover from fibroids to get back to something high intensity? I've created a solution I think might help. How different does that feel? That's just one example. So the process that we take people through is helping them find their calling, commit to a niche, study that niche. I deep dive into the problems and the goals and the aspirations of that niche. Then taking a look at that, reverse engineering a user journey, because it's reliably the same psychographic or problem-based, chances are there's an 80% likelihood that there's, there's a similar user journey with a 20% customization needed. And now to deliver that plan of care or treatment mechanism or information, depending on how you create the business, whether it's an info product or an in-person product or a hybrid product, 
and now create it and deliver it by using in-person and digital delivery mechanisms so that you get paid on the outcome of the unique process you have created as opposed to simply selling sessions of your time. That's that's stop. Stop. We got to clarify something because I just I think this is really important. Don't lose your train of thought, even though I interrupted you. Here's what I heard, and this is awesome. I heard because I didn't know where this was going. Right, I didn't know how you were going to describe this. It's that reverse engineered. It was the mission driven. It was the niche they were going to fill, the people they were going to serve. Then the product comes. After yes. that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Just want to make sure everybody heard that. So it's not, I'm going to go in a CrossFit gym, which we heard was one of the first things they did. And it was not successful because they didn't identify that thing, the mission driven purpose, let's call it now. Right. Yes. And who they were going to serve specifically. It was just this space and going to be a PT who works out in a CrossFit gym. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, cool. Go on. I just want to make sure everybody heard that. Most PTs, when they think about going into business or creating ancillary programs for their existing business outside insurance, they just slap a price tag on a session. You got it, man. It's all about that product, that service. And a couple of things happen when you do that. One, if all you ever do is sell your time, you will always have a cap. That cap might go up, but you have a cap of both money and energy. And to me, energy is exponentially more important because I have three kids. They require a ton of energy. I've got an amazing life to have an amazing relationship. You need a ton of energy. And uh, the energy cap to me is actually more important than the money cap, but they go hand in hand because in order to get your energy back, you need to not sell all of your time. To not sell all of your time means you need to be time leveraged. Time leveraged means you get paid on an outcome of a unique process. Here it is. Listen to this. Go back and say that again, please. To be time leveraged means you are getting paid on an outcome of a process that you've created, not just the quantity of time that you spend inside the process. So I'll give you a, a more tangible example. Low back pain. Is that prevalent anymore? Or is that... St- is that a thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 30 years later, we talked about this 30 years later, no one can show me that that's improved. I agree with you that we have historically not affected the number one musculoskeletal. That, when I was in school, 30 yeah. point, no, I was actually in school 32 years ago. It was the number, number one thing, right? We number still, one cause of spending in healthcare for musculoskeletal issues. Number one cause of disability. Number one cause for drug addiction, you know, spun off from musculoskeletal care because of the medicalization process. So what's a way we could get demonetized and also more effective? And this is why you and I gel, because the thing is, is that we can't just time leverage or demonetize and offer the same level of effectiveness, which, you know, I think our current medical system is horrible, but we need to now have exponentially better results for less of your personal time at a comparatively more affordable rate. I know now you're probably like the audience is eye rolling, like this is a unicorn, but this is what Silicon Valley does. This is, this is like literally the template that I just learned from studying Silicon Valley obsessively. What they do is they identify a very specific problem or niche. They reverse engineer the world-class solution. They demonetize it in a way that also yields exponentially better results. Think Airbnb. You know, we all have access to now things 
that we would never have had access to 10 years ago, 20 years ago at the price points we have access to. So we can take these same principles and apply to healthcare. We had uh, a member out of California build a, uh, a chronic low back pain program that was hybrid. So it included partly in-person, partially digital delivery mechanisms. This did not cross state boundaries. This was to serve people with low back pain in the local or regional, because now if there's a lot less time and you are positioned as the expert, people are going to say, screw it. You know, I've had three injections. I've tried two chiropractors, two physical therapists. This guy built it for me. There's no one else there, but other people like me. And now he took a six month behavior change centric, still physical therapy program that did focus on what he believes biomechanically the people need to do over the course of six months, but also matched it with habit tracking, pre-filmed education, a community, accountability for things like sleep, stress management, nutrition, because this is the actual research proven solution to chronic low back pain. We know this. We all intuitively know it. The research shows it. But when all the insurance company does is reimburse for 45 minutes of time, and that time you need to spend doing massage and all these other things that you may or may not believe in for chronic low back pain, you are now getting paid just based off the process. So instead, what this person was able to do is charge appropriate amount for that six-month program that hinged its value on the effectiveness of the program and the totality of the system disconnected from just the sheer number of hours that he personally spends. That changes your life as a clinician. That buys you back time. And it also buys you a whole new level of fulfillment when you are tinkering and working on this like machine, like, oh, I'm going to get it. What do they need? Oh, month five, I think they need more behavior change and they need this. And I need to start them drinking water and I need to get them going to sleep earlier. What, what alarm clock can I get them as a surprise gift that will aid in my ability to get them to actually go to sleep on time and put their phones in a lockbox that is a spinning mechanism at the top so their phone is locked away all night so they actually sleep. And lo and behold, three months in, you're getting testimonials like, I have had decade worth of back pain reduced by 50% in the last three months because of this system. That is possible. And that to me is the future of healthcare. So let's go back because I want people to connect the dots here. Let's go back to two things I'm thinking about right now with all this is we got that person at the beginning who thinks the only option is to join that big practice, climb that corporate ladder right? Bill units, track visits, right? Now let's fast forward. And by the way, fast forward weeks, months, right? To this person now you're talking about who I'm hearing is creating a scalable system. So that's what I want everybody to stop and pause for a second here. Frank's not talking about a one-off here, right? This person he's describing is creating with all the tinkering, a scalable system. And I would argue this system isn't just scalable in this person's community. They've created something that then someone in, right? You said California, someone in Texas, someone in South Dakota, someone in Vermont could do, right? Yet it's their business that they can scale and grow because they understand what it takes to create something, as Frank has described, right? That has value that people will pay for. And let's jump ahead to now one more step. We're creating bigger and better advocates 
we started with this discussion of people who are going to preach from the mountaintops the value of seeing their physical therapist, right? Which is then going to make an impact in a bigger and wider group than us showing up at a $4,000 fundraiser for a governor. So yeah, I want people to really understand the connecting of the dots here and the last two things Frank just described. And if you think the PT who set up the fibroid program, if you think it's only women in her state and her community, again, she is creating a scalable global model that she can license and reproduce and She's got full control over this. She can hire employees. She can license it. She can franchise it. The point being, go back to that PT at the beginning. I got to get this corporate job. I got to build units. I got to do visits, right? It is the possibilities and the time creation. I love that leverage, the time. I say time creation. The time creation that all these people get is it's unmatchable anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And my belief is that all walks of life can go down this road. I believe we actually have a student in a student of physical therapy right now. He's in year two who is building a more health and wellness. He's not trying to pretend like he's doing physical therapy. We know that obviously he's not going to violate any practice acts, but he recognized that hairdressers typically have pretty unhealthy lifestyles and typically have chronic pain that if we were to arm them with the behavior change techniques of the way they work, they wouldn't actually need physical therapy in the first place. And this young man already has five or six clients, some of which who own salons. And now the salon owner is seeing, wow, if I get this program in the hands of my employees, I have less turnover. I have happier employees who want to work more. Everybody's winning. And he's just doing simple things like optimizing their schedule, stretching between clients, hydrating properly, sleeping at night, behavior change stuff. Now, as soon as he graduates, he's going to plug in the licensed physical therapy part of it where he can in his state. And now he's got it. It's like that kid's never going to step foot in a mill. And he was lucky enough to discover his calling very early. I also believe that the successful clinic owner who has 10 employees, who is just simply scaling through adding more employees who might feel empty. It's usually the lack of fulfillment is usually what I end up finding with those sometimes. They don't need to trash their business and throw it away to go do this, but reallocate some of your time as a business owner and say, what creative revenue stream can we add on? And get your team involved. You want to create brand loyalty? Most people do not want to be entrepreneurs. Most entrepreneurs are get too worried about their employees. This is huge. And it takes you, if you've owned a business... So I always tell people just to leverage what you're saying. When people say, what is the single biggest, literally, this is my answer. What's the single biggest business mistake you made? And I say, assuming everybody else thought like me, right? I thought all my employees (laughs) were going to be like me. Yeah, not everybody. This is the thing I hate when, oh, we're creating more leaders. I'm like, but some people want to go to work. Some people want to show up and do a great fucking job. And go home. I'm like, why does everybody have to? And by the way, they're leading by example. Yeah, I, I got in a big, um, I, I got in a discussion, right, with a group about, you know, a new leadership program and creating more leaders. I'm like, 
at some point we need doers. So yeah, well, the, the a psychology study, like a personality exam type type thing, massive, massive one. I remember re- reading this years ago, and it basically tried to quantify like what percentage of the population wants to just go to a work a job where they feel fulfilled like enjoyment of the work, but get the check out at the end of the day and go home. And it was somewhere between 60 and 80% of the population, depending on where you were regionally. So the majority of people want to be an employee, but they also crave what we call entrepreneur mindset, which is the ability to be creative, not to just be a robot and deliver treatment, deliver treatment. So if you're an existing cash clinic owner, you can say, I am going to slice off this part of my time, meaning you as the owner's time, and maybe your top employee or your most creative employee and say, what can we offer to people at discharge? That now completely changes your P&L. It completely alters your P&L. Instead of discharge, and now your lifetime value hinges on them coming back. And I'm not talking about just selling massage. You know, like, that's okay if you do that. That's a cool model. There is a place for that. I'm not against it. But I want to make sure I'm being clear that we're reverse engineering the unique thing that serves them. What do they need next? You know, are they out of physical therapy and need behavior change? And I'm not talking about anything outside of our practice act. I'm talking about putting their phones away, drinking more water, eating more natural foods. You don't need a dietitian degree. We're not prescribing macros, but getting people to eat less processed food and more, you know, more real food, you will change their lives. And chances are you have the money to hire someone with those credentials for a very affordable amount that completely alters your P&L. So my call to action is for our profession to start the rebrand of the word physical therapy. It is time. It is past time. And it doesn't mean we need to just be personal trainers or just do massage and all this other stuff. It requires innovation. It requires creativity. And in order to even give that a platform, it requires our, an introspective look into thinking about what can I do? What action can I take? This series is the action takers. We need more action takers and we need more nonconformists in this profession to start reimagining what we do because we are a powerful group of people. We have a powerful skill set of both emotionally intelligent. We typically are extraordinarily emotionally intelligent people and we are brilliant at the actual mechanics of our job. It's time for us to start acting like it, and then the rest of the world will follow. Do me a favor. Uh, what, what's the best place? Give me the places. I don't care that people yeah. can find you. And you know, I think what might be good too is people find your community, right? These other people too, so they can see what's going on. So, absolutely. So we're at, we have three places we're active. Jerry, it's cool. I could give you the links, but in the in the in the yeah, we'll put them in there, but I want you to tell yeah. everybody too. I am most active personally on Instagram, Frank underscore Benedetto. Why don't you spell that? B- <laughs> Just real quick. Yep. B-E-N-E-D-E-T-T-O. Frank underscore Benedetto. Frank Benedetto at, on Facebook. Now unfortunately there's like 50 of us. I didn't know it was a comment. Yeah, name. that's crazy, dude. So that one you just have to click the link. You're not gonna be able to find me. It's and the then, dude with that wearing all black with his hands in his pockets, by the way. Yep, that's me. Bald. Lastly, we do have a private free community of uh Cash PT 2.0 where we you know I'm routinely going live and giving away a ton of free content. My goal is for my free content to change the world. 
And if that inspires you know a handful of people to want to be a client, that's great. If not, my my goal is to constantly put out as much high quality stuff as humanly possible. So if you want to join the free Facebook group, you could feel free to click that link as well. I think you guys do this. I'm going to recommend everybody do this. If you're not familiar with Frank, just go to that Facebook page, Frank Benedetto, look for the bald dude, all black hands in pocket, and just scroll through his feed. And you will pretty much, because he's using this word cash PT. And here's a little secret, my friends. He ain't using it like everybody else is. So that's going to, well, but I don't want you to define it. That's going to be the hook. I want people, because I didn't realize that till today. So if I wouldn't have read your Facebook feed, my friend, I would have been thinking, right? Not what I'm thinking now. So I'm going to challenge the people who are interested in listening to this right now, go to Frank's Facebook page and just read the last maybe month, two weeks worth of posts. You will very, very, very quickly understand where Frank is coming from. And I think, I think even your, just your personal Facebook page is a huge value can be appreciated. I think we're going to need to do more of this, Frank, and probably maybe go down some avenues and niche our conversation down, shall we say? But I think this is a great start for that. So I want to thank you for being on this action taker series and you're the perfect guest to be on here. So I want to thank you for doing that. And I'm going to encourage everybody to go find Frank. I don't care even if you think you can use them or not. There's huge value in reading Frank's content and being involved in his world. So thank you. Appreciate it, Jerry. Thank you. You you paved the way, you know, people like you paved the way for people like me. So thank you so much. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today to the podcast. Here's what I want you to do next. Um, If you want to stay in touch or want more information on the doing of all this, then I highly recommend, and I really want you to go over to my YouTube page, Jerry Durham PT, J-E-R-R-Y-D-U-R-H-A-M. There is just so much content, videos added weekly, if not daily and you will be able to bury yourself and immerse yourself into this content and learn all you need to know to start implementing some of the things we talked about today second thing i want you to do is just jump in feet first over at my facebook group what's best for the patient is best for business daily interactions right i'll be there you can have discussions with other people you can ask me questions i post there frequently post videos i share information there so it's a place to stay up to date and be very interactive with other people who have the same goals and mindset that you do and want to create this business, this healthcare practice that will scale and grow and give you financial performance. Cheers all.